Hi, this is Prophet Terry. Come experience the new you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desire. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desire. Now, the first thing is that scripture um, brings an exclusion between you and sin. It says, don't let sin reign in your body, which means you have a choice. You do not have a choice in yourself, but do you, you do have a choice whether or not to let the Lord be your master or to let sin be your master. So you have a choice, right? Don't ever say you don't have a choice. You have a choice, but you've got to give up the master, which is sin, for the Lord Jesus, who is master. Everybody follow? All right. And real quickly, we want to see a division here, a twofold aspect. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So there is sin so that you obey its evil desires. So there is sin and there is desires. There is sin, and then sin has its own evil desires. Just like there's you and you have your evil desires, right? So it's twofold. We have sin and we have evil desires of sin. Sin, evil desires of sin. And as I spoke this morning, the reason we struggle so much with sin in our life is because we deal with the evil desires, not with the sin. We deal with the desires of sin, but not sin itself. So we first must understand that the desires that you battle with, whether it's, it's drugs or alcohol or it's sexuality, it's lust or quarreling or angry or fear, whatever that is, that evil desires or the things that you would want that are evil, that you want so much that you don't care who it hurts, you know, just as long as you get what you want. Those are the evil desires. We as Christians so often battle with evil desires. We fight one-on-one with evil desires. We plead the blood. Uh, you know, we put oil on ourselves. We put oil on our house. We do everything but deal with the sin. The sin. Uh, the second point I want to make clear real quick, and that's, that's in the podcast as well. You do not like the taste of evil desires. There's nothing in you that likes the taste of evil desires. The only thing that likes the taste of evil desires is sin. You do not like it. If I can use the illustrations from this morning real quickly. For example, if you take, if you take uh, uh, alcohol and beer, which make you stagger, right? Blurred vision, uh, all these side effects, right? You take drugs, which makes your heart race or almost paralyzes you, that type of thing. You take those things. Now, those things you think you like, you did not like the taste. You did not like the taste of alcohol when you first tasted it. You did not like the taste of smoking when you first take, took it. Something liked it, but you technically did not like it. Those things don't have no taste. Smoke in your lungs, th- there's no taste. Because here's the thing. If you had any of those symptoms, blurred vision, staggering, 
can't stand up, falling down a lot, uh, heart racing, uh, choking inside, you would go to the doctor. But because sin delights in the things of death, you delight in it. Or you've been taught and seared to like evil desires. But originally, you never liked it. You never liked it. Yes? There's no virgin that ever liked sexuality outside of marriage. You did not like it. You felt shame. You felt embarrassed by it. You did not like it. You lied to yourself. Sin liked it. And likewise, the same way with the men. You did not like it the first time. No, you taught yourself to like it because something liked it, especially outside of marriage. So we do not like the taste of evil desires. So, but this is what we in the church so often try to deal with is the evil desire. And we fight with it. We never liked the taste of evil desires. We just was pushed into it. We smoked because it looked big. We drank because it looked big. Hmm? We, we manned up, we woman up just because that's what sin wanted us to do. Everybody with me? Quarreling, whatever. We don't, we don't like that. Fornication, we don't like that. We don't like cheating. We don't like murder. We don't like the way it makes us feel. We don't like anger. We do not like the taste of evil desires. But it's sin in us that likes it. Not us who have created by God and in his image. We don't like it. So, to make this morning's message short, what is sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, what we think is, okay, if you sin, then you will be put to death. So it's like a punishment thereof. What we don't understand is that sin is death. And so sin is death, so naturally the wages is more death. James says, you know, when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Huh? Yes, an orange can't give birth to an apple. So therefore, sin is death. And death, we know that if you hate your brother, you have murdered him. So we know that death is hate and is anger. So therefore, sin is simply anger headed towards death. Where did this anger originate from? It originated from an offense. The first offense, Adam and Eve got offended by God because they could not eat of every tree. Now, the Bible says the tree was, uh, you know, that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. Uh, it was good for food and good for gaining wisdom. Right? But who says that fruit really looked that good? And the more, the more Adam and Eve became offended by God because he wouldn't let them have this, the better it looked. Hmm? 
because we know we know in Trinidad, right? We'll we'll do anything if we think we can gain wisdom by it. If, if we'll drink any kind of bush, we'll do anything. Uh, so that that view of how it looked was it doesn't mean that the fruit was more better looking than all the other fruits it's just that when you get offended by God then sin begins to be pleasing to your eye uh, and good for gaining wisdom so you see sin is simply your anger your offenses your disappointments with God your 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 anger towards him because you can't have what you want. All the things you're disappointed about in life. All the things that you, that, you, that you wish was this way and wish was that way. Including the mistakes that you have made that you would like to blame on God. You know, Lord, why did it happen? Well, it happened because you did this. But it's, it's at your own unsatisfaction with life that creates an offense with life. And God is life. And so you're offended by God because you're disappointed with your life. You're unsatisfied with your life. And sometimes that can start early. Sometimes just small children, that rebellion sets in. Why, what is rebellion? Rebellion is when, is when you don't give me what I want. So I'm going to do the things that you don't want me to do. Now, the real taste, why we don't like the taste of evil desires, but yet we develop a taste for evil desires, is because of the anger that grows within me. What we enjoy doing, the taste that's really been fulfilling, yes, having smoke all in your lungs is not a delight. And it's not really the nicotine that's the delight. The delight is doing something that you think that God won't like or your parents won't like. So you develop a taste. I'm not happy, so parent, I'm going to make you not happy. Hmm? You disappoint me, so I'm going to disappoint you in any way that I can. So the evil desire that we battle with is not the evil desire. Because once you deal with sin, you won't have any taste for the evil desire. I don't care if it's cocaine. It will be gone. It will disappear. It will disappear. Because what part, what part of cocaine, and you spaced out for a few hours or a day trip, if you did that in real life, without the cocaine, you would seek medical attention. You quarrel. You get angry. If your heart was hurting constantly, for days, if your heart was hurting like it hurts when you're angry, you would seek medical attention. If you was frustrated and aggravated 
Apart from the delight of evil desires, you would seek medical attention. And sometimes you do seek some medical attention. I'm angry all the time. So what do they do? They do the worst thing possible. They send you to anger management. Or sexual management. Or substance management. Which is all in fine for a heathen, if, if that's where you're at. It's, it's better that you, you, you slow down the pace to the grave. But the reality is you're not dealing with sin. And the sin is the anger that you have accumulated and that you are storing up. Paul says we are storing up wrath for the day of judgment. What is the day of judgment? It's when you burst into flame. The Bible calls it hell. It's when you burst into flame. And you burn because your anger has none got the best of you. And your anger takes over. Your condemnation takes over. And it can never be quenched. It can never be put out. The worms never die. With that being said, some of us have tasted hell. But where does it stem from? Not the desires. If we could only understand that. And we need to understand that as ministers. Your sexual hang-up is not the problem. Your pot smoking is not the problem. Your alcoholism is not the problem. Your anger is not the problem. Your quarreling is not the problem. Your lying and deceiving is not the problem. Your gluttony is not the problem. Your problem is sin living in you. You get rid of the sin and the desire goes. You're overeating, that's not the problem. But you deal with the evil desire. You put your evil desire, you put your sin on a fast. You put your sin on a diet. But you don't deal with the sin. You are training your sin to have anger management. So you smoke a little something, you do a little something, or you just sleep, you do something. But it's comforting sin. It's not getting rid of it. What is the sin? The sin is the disappointment and the unsatisfaction that you have with your miserable life because that's your view of your life and that's where you're at because that's your view of life, that God is not good to you or if God is not the good to you, you deserve it. So you're sitting in all that anger and you don't know what to do with it. But all that offense against a God that has loved you before you was born so you can't sit in the midst of all that disappointment and live. You will die. You have to do something. You have to feed the disappointment. You have to feed your anger. You have to feed the quarreling. You have to feed the lust. You have to feed the gluttony. And in the church, we keep trying to deal with evil desires, but we don't want to deal with the real problem, which is sin. And sin is anger. It's disappointment. You're not happy with your life. That's why you're mean, grouchy, grumbling. Huh? And because you don't deal with your sin, you come into church, you get religious, 
and you're meaner than ever. <laughs> Jesus never called the heathen a viper. He called the ones in, the ones in the house of God. Those are the vipers. Why? Because, listen, you was miserable when you got saved and you come into the house of God because you needed some comfort from all your anger. But you didn't deal with your anger. So you stifled some of your evil desires, which was feeding the anger. You stifled it. Did it undercover when nobody's looking, which made you even more angry because now you're being good and, and God is not doing anything for you. The devil is trying to make a deal with God. Sin is trying to make a deal with God. Lord, I will give up my sin. I will, I will quit these evil desires. I won't give up my sin. I'll quit these evil desires if you'll give me something. But that's sin trying to make a deal with God. That's not you getting rid of your sin. God is good. He gave you a gracious promise a long time ago. He gave you a promise. He gave you promises upon promises even before you was born. But we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with the fact of Cain and Abel. Cain been jealous because his brother got some acknowledgement. We don't want to deal with that in us. And what did the Lord tell Cain? Cain, sin is crouching at your door. He didn't say the devil crouching at your door. He says, Cain, sin crouching at your door. What, what sin is crouching at God's door? Is, is sin some kind of octopus-looking type of monster? What is it? What was crouching? ABC, what was crouching at Cain's door? He was angry that God showed Abel favor. So sin is the anger because you're not getting the acknowledgement and you're not getting the life and the fulfillment that you want from God. That is the bottom line of what sin is inside of you. But what you do as a nice church person, you come over here and try to deal with the evil desires of that. This thing is furious with God. It wants blood. It wants restitution. So it's going to hurt somebody. It, it's going to hurt itself. Because you know what sin knows? Sin knows that God loves you. Your anger knows that God loves you so much that he died for you. Your anger knows that. So your anger has no problem of coming out here and you breathing in all this smoke into your lungs. Are you getting on drugs? Are you smoking pot? Anything you can do. Yes. You'll become the opposite gender if you think you can make God disappointed as God has made you disappointed. You're not dealing with the real issues. That is a disguise. The evil desires is a disguise. It's just a manifestation of what is there. But it's not the real problem. That's not the real problem. The woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus says, go and sin no more. 
He didn't say go and have sex no more. He said go and sin no more. He had no problem forgiving her for her adultery. And it's because that's not the problem. The problem is your dislike with God. The problem is why was you sleeping around to start with? That's the problem. What made you adulterous? You didn't get the person you wanted in your life, so you decided to destroy other people's lives. The evil desires is just feeding the evil. It's feeding the sin. We have to deal with the sin. And ABC, the sin is crouching at your door. It's inside of you. And the sin is you're not happy with your life. You blame yourself for a while, but that's just like too much death too soon so you do you go and you put some death on somebody else because sin is death it's just a younger version of the grave huh? it's just a younger version of the grave it's death so the best way this is the odd thing about this is the odd thing about death this is the odd thing about it is it gives death to make itself feel better as the saying goes misery loves company huh? so you do this to give comfort and counsel to your own sin which is your own anger towards your own self and towards life and towards God and anybody else you can blame it on so in restitution because that makes you feel good when you see somebody else hurting like you huh? and it makes you feel good God I'm disappointed in you so now I'm going to make you disappointed in me. Even though you're sending yourself to the fiery pit, you don't care. Huh? And that's why a lot of times teenagers will destroy their life because they're angry with their parents, which makes no sense. Huh? Your blood spilt out on the highway, and you smiling because you finally got even with your parents. And you're so intoxicated with anger that you don't realize you're dying. You've got to deal with the sin in your life. And the sin is not drinking. The sin is not this. The sin is not masturbating. The sin is not this. The sin is not lying. The sin is not deceiving. The sin is not stealing. The sin is your hatred towards God and towards your own life, the life that God has given you. That's the problem. That is the problem. That's the problem. I realized when I accepted the fact that I can't be no better on myself. But what did I think better was? I thought better was controlling my evil desires. No. It's when you let God's love come inside of you. Old-fashioned word called repentance. God, it's not on you, it's on me. God, you gave me a better last life. Huh? My parents may not have been the best, but you was there if I would only listen to you. It's all on me. I have disappointed myself. Hmm? The truth is you've been better to me than I deserve. When the love of God comes in you, you'll be surprised how much those evil desires are dead. They're not there no more. But then sometimes you see them coming back. 
like a long lost friend you see them evil desires coming back but if you will ever pay attention when them evil desires are coming back don't don't focus on them when you see evil desires coming back how good is God how good is God in your life how good is God in your life how good is God in your life and while you while you're telling God that he's good in your life your anger sitting there saying that ain't true while you're in church and, and the preacher says God is good and you say God is good you know all the time God is good your, your anger saying that ain't true he ain't been good to you when you're going to wake up and realize the devil is your own anger towards your own self and towards life and anybody else you can blame it on and the reason we give it the name Satan and the reason it is Satan because the devil made us do it our anger made us do it. Disappointments in life made us do it. Does that make sense? That's our struggle. Too many times we preach to ourselves and the preacher preaches to us about our evil desires. We want to talk about homosexuality. Homosexuality is not the problem. Get your brain on straight and your body's on straight. That's not the problem. The problem is the anger inside that would make you delight in something that is not a delight. Huh? You can't walk. Blurred visions. At most, that's for old people. And you delight in that? So you just drink some more. You know what's giving you blurred vision. But you don't care. Why would you ever delight in that? Huh? And, and you're smoking. If it's pot, your heart gets to racing or doing all kinds of foolishness. You're popping pills. There's no delight in that. Huh? Yes. You're smoking. All that smoke going inside you. When's the last time you saw a house on fire and you just go in there and... Your sin has got your dotish. What you really delight in is not the evil desire. You don't delight in that. I am convinced. Cocaine has no power. What has power is the sin. It's your master. Your master is sin. Your master is not the Lord Jesus. And the reason Christians still have evil desires and they're still dealing with it because they haven't got rid of the master, the real master, which is sin. Which is, bottom line, is their anger. Yes, those things have these, this feeling to it, but, but what is the real thing that you're addicted to? The real thing you're addicted to is, is getting back at somebody. Saying, you know, I don't have to work like you. I can steal. I don't have to do this. I can do this. Huh? Huh? I don't have to get married. I got, I got all I want. Huh? Because you're getting even for the life that you said you've been mistreated. Hmm? Life is not good to me. Nobody's good to me. Huh? Nobody's good to you. You're not good to nobody. So you're sin. 
is your master. Your sin is counseling in you. Your sin says, do this, you'll feel better. Sin, your anger tells you to do this, you'll feel better. Your anger tells you to do this, and you'll, you'll feel good because it feels good to get back at somebody. We all know that evil taste. When somebody has been, you know, rubbing us the wrong way or somebody denied us something, we all know that evil taste. It's nice to get back at them some way or another. But the truth is, it don't really feel good. It only feels good to sin. Because if it felt good to you, you wouldn't be repenting for it. Huh? You're deceived. You're deceived by it. Huh? If you deal with your disappointed life, if you quit blaming God and realize He's always been there to help you, You see, I know the time when I was church saved. And the reason I speak it this way is because all the days of my life and all my foolishness and all my stupidness, I know God was there watching over me in the midst of all of it. He is the one that kept me safe. He's always there. We know that from small. But we choose to be sinners. And sinners are those who are angry with their life and want to accuse somebody. Deal with that. Let God into your life this day. If you're battling with sin and that person with meth, if you're battling with it, I'm telling you, quit trying to figure out why you desire it. You desire it because your master tells you to desire it. Quit trying to control that. You will never control that as long as sin is your master. Huh? You can sleep around and sleep around and repent and repent. You can come to this altar and cry and cry and cry. But as long as sin is your master, you're going to do it all over again. What you hate, what you despise, what makes you feel so ashamed, what makes you so disgusted with yourself, it's going to happen again. I don't care how much you repent until you get rid of the master of it. And isn't this something? You can be adulterous, so you're sleeping around, so you feel shameful, you feel nasty. Now you get even more angry. So sin is starting to get full grown. You get more angry. Death is starting to get full grown. We just don't call death Death, when it's a baby, we call it an evil desire. Or we call it sin. But that's just a younger version. And so what we do is we repent and we repent. And then we mess up again and we get more angry. The Bible says it's like we, we trotted Jesus under our feet all over again. So now we're even more angry with us. And we're not getting no more closer to God. We're getting closer to hell even though we're sitting in church repenting and repenting day and day and day and day. But the reality, you won't deal with the real problem of your lust and your fornication. You won't even deal with the real why you're really attracted to married men or married women. Why you're attracted to it is because you're angry. Deal with the problem. Don't deal with what your problem has took you to. Don't deal with what your problem has taken you to. 
smoke pot here, and tomorrow your dealer. Don't deal with that. Deal with this. Death is growing inside of you. The Bible says it's like a horse. You got to deal with this. Quit being condemned and feeling condemned because of the evil things you do. Go to the real problem. I'm not happy with my life. I don't feel like God loves me. I feel like he's abandoned me. I feel like God could never forgive me after all I've done. Deal with the real problem. Once you deal with that and you let that love come in. Hmm? You let that love come in and let Jesus be your master. You can't serve two masters. You let Jesus be your master and the other one will flee from you. Let Jesus be your master. Let the love of God come in. And confirm that love of God. Confirm it daily. Lord, you're awesome. You're good. That, that's why the Bible wants us to testify. The Lord Jesus is not a guru sitting on a throne wanting attention all day long. He's not an attention seeker. The reason he says praise me is because that reminds you how much he loves you. He does not have to be reminded how much he loves you. He has the scars. We praise him. We worship him. We, we study our word to remind ourselves. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Because there's one thing you cannot do. And if you can do it, you can't do it very successfully. You cannot fulfill an evil desire and think about how much God loves you at the same time. Not unless you have really twisted your theology to make God, God okay with it. No, you can't sin and focus on how much God loves you at the same time. I don't care who you're shacked up with. You'll run out as soon as you start to think how much God loves you. Bible says, if we're tempted, he will show us a way out. That love. But I'm telling you, the more you welcome that love in there and you receive it, uh, there's nothing that I did to deserve it, but he loves me. You cannot fulfill evil desires. When you think about how much God loves you, ladies, you can't keep quarreling. Huh? You can't keep quarreling. When you think about how much God loves you and how much he forgave you, you're not going to hold no grudge against nobody because you just love Jesus too much. Huh? You love Jesus too much. Huh? Listen, if you're married or if you have a boyfriend and girlfriend, if you have a lover, and when they see you, they're quarreling. It's time to leave. Because obviously they love quarreling more than they love you. Huh? When you see the person you love, when you feel that love, any quarrel that you got against the world should be shut up one time. When I think about Jesus, <laughs> when I think about Jesus, I just lose all my quarreling power. When I think about Jesus, I lose all my anger power. When I think about Jesus, I lose all my lustful power. 
And some of you know it. You can't lust over a man and woman and think about how much Jesus loves you. You can't love two masters. When I think about how much Jesus loves me, I'll walk away from the fight. When I think about how much Jesus loves me, I'll walk away from the trap. When I quit being angry with myself, when I quit being angry at all the mistakes I've made in my life, when I quit being angry and unsatisfied with my life, when I think about how much he loves me and he's given me an awesome life and an awesome life to come, I can't sin no more. Because sin ain't my master no more. I'd rather please my Jesus than please my body. You can put your evil desires on a fast. But you're going to replace it with something else. You can put your evil desires on a fast and it'll come back stronger. Jesus says, Jesus says, when an evil phone comes out of you and you throw it away, that it'll come back to you seven times worse. Stop throwing your phone away and deal with the sin. The sin that desires that phone. The sin that's, that's got you so intoxicated in it. You stand up to all hours of the night watching that thing like some zombie. And you can't stay awake 30 minutes in church. You're tired at work. You're unproductive. Your boss is thinking about firing you. But when you get home, you come alive because of evil desire. But why are you so addicted with that thing? Why are you so addicted to looking at everybody else's life? Obviously, you're not very happy looking at your life. It's a replacement. It's a replacement. Yes, sometimes we fast to lose weight. But you're not dealing with the sin that wants you to be fat. The sin that one day will turn against you, and that's when you burst into flames. Because that anger will turn against you one day. Because that anger and its ignorance will counsel you. Do this and do this and do this and do this. Huh? Do this. Huh? Eat and you'll feel good. Huh? Do this. But you're not dealing with the, the real gluttony. You're not dealing with this thing over here. This is the evil desire. But why? If you think about how much Jesus loves you, you won't eat the whole bucket of chicken. When you think about how much Jesus loves you, 
you won't go off in KFC because somebody got the favorite piece. If you think about how much Jesus loves you, you're not going to hit the love of your life because they burnt the roadie. Does this make sense? So what, what, what is really being satisfied? Think about this. What really wants you to smoke, what really wants you to drink, what really wants you to fornicate, what really wants you to lust, what really wants you into sexuality, what really wants you to steal and lie and make money and do all these things, what really wants you to do that is your unfit life. The life you're not pleased with. That's what's driving you. That's why you can't be still. There's no rest for the weary. There's no rest day and night for those who have the mark of the beast. That's why there's no peace in your life. It's the love. When I think about Jesus, when you truly think about him, I don't mean just mention his name before you gobble down the whole bucket of chicken in some religious way. Lord, I thank you. Huh? For this bountiful supply, huh? bind all the calories. And you ever realize your prayer gets answered? Because they all get bound right inside of you. And there's something about evil that just wants more and more. It's like potato chips. You want more and more. Huh? You can't, you can't just lust one time. You can't act on it one time. Oh, no. You've got to do it again. And the more you do it, the more constant you have to do it. Whatever it is. It might feel good to just blow off and curse everybody out in the house. But pretty soon, you're going to be doing it all the time. In fact, when you're not cursing, they're going to think something wrong with you. But it's not the cursing. It's not the bad words coming out of your mouth. It's your unfit life that you have so judged yourself with. And people of the gospel, we need to understand that. We need to understand the problem is not evil desires. Yes, the evil desires is a form of death that's manifesting itself. It will bring you to death. Yes. It is going to bring you to death. Heart attack some way, stroke some way or another. It's going to bring you to death. But that's not the problem. The problem is you have not and you are not receiving God's love. But for some reason or another, you are rejecting it. Some reason or another, you are justifying yourself that God has somehow done you wrong. Huh? God has somehow done you wrong. And I don't care how bad a situation you're raised up in. I don't care how many gangs around you. It will never justify evil. Hmm? It was always about a quick book. It was always about, I'm going to be somebody. Nobody cares about me. I'm going to be somebody. But that's your first lie because God always cared about you. 
And somewhere or another, no matter how miserable your childhood was or, or when you were small, somewhere or another, God, the angels of the Lord, was in there talking to you. But you did not want to receive that. You wanted to vindicate yourself. Hmm? Just as Cain wanted to vindicate himself. Was he really angry with, with, with uh, Abel? No, he angry with God. And when he went off, he knew he was so angry, somebody going to kill him. You're not dealing with you. The sin, the anger that's crouching right at your door. Uh -huh. Yes. You're not no lesbian. You're not no gay. You're not no murderer. You're not no fornicator. You don't like that taste. You're lying to yourself. You're just doped up with sin. That's not who you want to be. That's not who you are. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let its desire work in your body. That you obey its evil desire. Huh? Your sin, your anger says, go have sex, and you're gone. Go lie, you're gone. Huh? Cheat, you're gone. Fornicate, you're gone. Steal, you're gone. Yes, master. Because you gave that anger authority in your life. That anger sits on the throne in your life. You gave your own anger and your own dissatisfaction with life. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. You gave that the throne. And so that is master. As ignorant as it may sound, it is the truth. That is your master. That is why you keep doing stupid things. That's why you're angry with everybody. That's why you're upset with everybody. That's why you're stomping your feet. What stupidness you're doing? You're stomping your feet. And then when you get old, you're going to wonder why your feet hurt you so much. You're stomping your feet. Because you ain't got enough authority to do anything else. So sin that's inside of you, that's in a, a, in a younger version, says, stomp your feet. Put a hand up. Throw an attitude. But the truth is, my child, you're just angry with yourself. And that death that you are playing with, because anger is death. That death, that dislike, when you dislike yourself, when you dislike yourself, that means you want to kill yourself. And sometimes you physically do it or think about it. It, it, don't, it don't have, we think, a suicidal spirit, you know. Somebody got a suicidal spirit. The day you decided to dislike your life, you adopted a suicidal spirit. You just thought you'd kill some other people first. 
And then when you couldn't kill nobody else to your satisfaction, and no matter how many sacrifices and how many people you hurt, it still never quenched your own hate for your own self. Your own dislike for your own self and the stupidness that you've done. When you think you see somebody, and you think you see somebody prettier than you and more handsome than you, and they get their life together more than you, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. Because if you had God's love, you would know there's no favoritism. That's not the problem. The problem is, and the reason, okay, maybe they, maybe they got something a little bit more materialistic that you got at the moment, but the real problem is not that they have that. The problem is you don't have no hope in your ugliness. You have no hope in the hate that you have for yourself. That's why you're acting up. That's why you're jealous. That's why you're plotting, yeah? You're like Einstein, but with a primary education. You're plotting. Huh? I'm talking to somebody. You're plotting. You're a young person. You're plotting. Huh? You're over teenagers. You, you're in 20. You're in your 20s. And so you're plotting. And you've got these plans and these schemes. And you're trying to manipulate the whole world. Why? Because you don't think God is just in the way he deals with things. So you got to step in. Your own anger steps in. And it begins to be this guru inside of you. It is the beast that sits upon the throne. You just ain't recognize the beast is because it's not full grown. This is baby death. But soon it's going to be middle age death. And soon it's going to be, you know, old age death and, and so forth. And you don't see your ugliness till you're way over here. Because the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That God was good. And the problem has always been my hate towards myself. And anybody that I chose to blame it on. The Lord let you live. You cannot, you have no excuses. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care what your daddy did to you. I don't care if he was around, not around. I don't care. God was there. And if you had chose love that day instead of hate, your life would be different today. So you go down a life of hate. Because this one thing I've seen. I've seen the molesters live a better life than the molested. Don't tell me. That's God's justice. Oh, no. They hated you once, but you've hated them every day since. So who hated who the most? We will have no excuse. You did not have a bad enough life. People did not do bad enough to you that you will have an excuse on the day of judgment. An excuse for what? Excuse for your evil desires. Desires an excuse for all the evil things you did in life. You will not have an excuse. I don't care who you are. Woman, man, or child, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're born. You will have no excuse because it's your own anger that drove you to it is your own anger that inspired it. Now you have a choice. You can keep letting sin and anger be your master today. Or you can get rid of it real quick. Hmm? Hmm? 
I made my own decisions. I'm the one that chose to fight back with everybody. I'm the one that chose to fight back with the angels in my life. I'm the one that chose to fight back with grandma. I'm the one that chose to fight back with the teacher. I'm the one that chose to fight back to the angels that appeared in my life when it was miserable. The angels that was trying to show me something better. But I rejected those angels. I chose anger. I chose a sinful life. I chose to be upset with God. Because of the life that I have. Hmm? Sometimes you're young and you're still smug. But your smugness got death written all over it. Huh? You think you know more than the preacher. You think you know more than the prophet. But your smugness has got death written all over it. You just don't know it yet. But one day. Hmm, sin will give birth to death. And there will be no denying that death is in your life. And then the suicide voices really begin to speak. Why do you think there's so many killings these days? I want you to kill yourself, but take as many with you as you can. Huh? You got no place. For God's love in your heart. You abandon his love for you. You know he loves you. Deep down inside you know he loves you. And it hurts because you have not been very loving in return. Deep down inside everybody knows. There's no such thing as an atheist. There's people that deny their father. There's no such thing as an atheist. Deep down inside you know that there is a love that is watching over you. There is a love that stabilizes you when you do not want to be stable. That is death. I don't like my life. I don't like my hair. I don't like my belly. I don't like my feet. That's death. Life and death. Out of the tongue, out of the mouth is life and death. It doesn't mean... Die feet. You don't have to say the word death to be talking death. It could be a quarrel where you think you got all this wisdom and you quarreling with everybody because everybody else is stupid but you. Huh? How dotish your anger is. And, and, you, and why you do that? Uh-huh. Why you do that? You're talking stupidness. Everybody knows you're talking stupidness. The only person don't know you're talking stupidness is you. You know something about everything. You know everybody's heart. But the truth is you're so angry with your own life. You say, I don't need nobody. I take care of myself. And that's where your evil desires come from. Because they don't deal with sin, which is an offense towards God and towards yourself. And anybody else you can blame it on. Amen. Now, I want to go a little bit further, a little deeper. Didn't think we could go deeper, did you? Uh, 
Oh, yes, we can go deeper. Oh, yes, we can go deeper. I have a white shirt on this morning. This afternoon, too. Thank God it's still stainless. As much as I love hugging people, I'm always cautious on the Lord's day. Because it seems like some righteousness comes off onto my white. <laughs> somebody once said to me, a long time ago, somebody once said to me, I want to stain you. I want to stain you. Now, if it was only possessiveness, uh, yes. You know how most men get caught cheating? Lipstick, lipstick. perfume. If you're going to cheat, and I'm not telling you how to cheat. Do not put on perfume or cologne. Do not wear lipstick or makeup. And don't leave no marks. Now, as a minister, you would think I wouldn't be giving sinners this well-thought-out advice. But this is what I know about sinners. You won't listen to me because you never listen to me. <laughs> so my greatest weapon is to tell you what to do. So I make sure you won't do it. Because you're not going to do anything that's hostile to God. It cannot please God because it's just the thought of God's voice speaking to you. And you're upset with God because he, he hasn't fulfilled your life the way you want it. You're upset with him. So you'll do anything that you think would displease him. Or anything you think would displease others. So let's get back to, I want to stain you. I want to stain. Now, if, if only that was romantic sin. As if to say, I want you. If, if, if that was, if it was just romantic sin. But it's much deeper than romantic sin. What do I mean by romantic sin? I want to stain you. That means I want other people to know. Or I at least want to do it so I know. And everybody else is just guessing. If it was only romantic sin, but it is not romantic sin. The reason you want me stained is you want me stained with sin like you are. You want me to fall like you fall.
And I'm talking to some people in here today. You'll have lovers, and they're one in ten. It is not because you're attractive. It is not because you're awesome. It's not because you're desirable. It's because they are angry with their life, and they want your life to be angry. If I ain't got no happy home, why should you have a happy home? They want to stain you, send you up. Make you fallen and make you angry at yourself like they are. But because we don't have God's attention, because we don't believe in God's attention, we have His attention, but we reject it. Because we don't have God's attention, there's a a longing in us because we don't feel like God is giving us attention. Even though He's given us attention, but we're rejecting it. So then someone comes along all pretty up in the red and the purple. And they give you some words to make you feel attractive. And they don't, they don't even want to take you from your wife. That is not the agenda. The agenda is to mash you up and leave you. Because as husbands or wives, they've had a trail. There's nothing cute about you. They're not being honest. They want to mash you up. They smell too much peace on you. They smell too much God on you. Huh? But because you haven't talked to your father lately, and because you haven't embraced his love, because he didn't give you a million-dollar house, or he didn't give you a million-dollar job, or he didn't give you a million-dollar wife, or he didn't give you a million-dollar something, you haven't talked with him. And so you kind of deprived yourself of, of, of acceptance. You deprived yourself of love that God loved you, but you rejected it. And so it makes you somewhat vulnerable because you're playing this game, and then somebody comes along. And in, in all of this game that you're playing with God, because it's all anger, you got anger towards God. So when somebody comes along and says, hey, and you say, hey, and then they say, this is hell. It is not a romantic advance. And even if they steal you from your husband or wife, even if they marry you, it will not be long because they'll be up to their old tricks. Because sin, anger will never be satisfied with a regular marriage. Because a regular marriage is too much like godly, is too much about respect. It will never satisfy the anger that you have towards your life. 
Don't blame the harlot or the harlot or the male version of it. Don't blame them when they make you fall. It was your own anger towards your own self, towards your own body, towards your own husband, towards your own wife, towards your own God that made you ignorant and believed the lie. Their intent is to stain you. And churchgoer, you better believe they can smell you out when you just escape in the corruption of this world. Your attraction level will go up tenfold as soon as you get saved. Your corrupt business deals will come at you tenfold. Because you got saved. They want you to do it the way they're doing it. Some teens and some young people. Are you living? Are you trying to live a virtuous life? You're, you're trying to do what's right. But you're going to have friends. That's going to set you up. You're going to have friends that act like they like you. But they don't like you. They want to stain you. You'll have friends that will butter you up. You'll have friends that tell you, Nah, oh, come on, Mama and Daddy, they just, they just overprotective. Huh? But they're buttering you up because they smell a little too much goodness on you. And nothing smells worse to a sinner than goodness. You have a little too much goodness on you. So how I, I can't live with myself knowing that there's somebody that's trying to live a better life than me. So the thing is to, to stain you, bring you down. Paul says they want to alienate you from us. Don't be so gullible. If you need some attention, go to God. Because there's people, they have your number. And they have one purpose. They will flatter you. They will encourage you. They will romantically give you the attention that you have dreamed of. Ah. They'll know things you like that your own wife don't know you like. And you think you have met an angel, and you have, but not from above. And the game they want to play is not for keep. Jesus says you travel across seas to make someone twice as much a son of hell as you are. Huh? And religious people want to make you just like them. They want to make you judge everybody just like them. Right? He's sitting around murdering people in church. And why are you murdering them? Because you don't like what they're wearing. Why are you murdering them? Because they got lipstick on. Why are you murdering them? More murder goes on in church than in the streets. 
Sometimes you're safer in a bar than in church. Hmm? But don't think you're safe in the bar. Because if you don't drink with them, they'll heap, they'll heap abuse upon you and insult, the Bible says. Because you don't indulge in the same thing. Listen, when you love God the most, when you love God the most, there's going to be somebody that comes around and tries to stain you. There's going to be somebody that comes around and tries to pull you away from that. Huh? And it's not their fault. It's your taste buds. The Bible says by your own evil desires, not somebody else's, by your own evil desires you're dragged away. And where does the evil desire come from? Because you have not been intimate with God lately. Hmm? Yes? If I was God, I would move and not give you the address. What do I mean by that? You can't even pray without reminding God of all the things he had done for you. That is not love. It says pray in the spirit. That means pray in love. When you pray in the spirit of God, it don't matter how long your promise has been. You know there's still time. God who can stop the sun, you know there's still time. When the love of God is in you, you can't hold nothing against nobody. I don't care how much they beat you, how much they robbed you, how much they molested you. When it comes to the love of God and you choose his love, you will let all your prisoners go because you know that love and hate and love and death and life and death cannot dwell in the same body. And you will know no matter what somebody's done to you, God will vindicate you. Stop wanting revenge for something your own anger set you up for. Why are we enticed? We're enticed because when we're enticed, right? You're enticed to go to a party. When you're enticed, you're enticed to go to a fete. When you're enticed, why are you enticed to go? As if though you don't know what's planned. Why are you enticed? You're enticed because first the enticement comes and says, but God don't love you. He's not letting you have no fun. So it drives a wedge, just like with Adam and Eve. It drives a wedge between you and God. It tells you. It even says, but God don't care. God will be okay. Huh? So it's our own separation with God. Be so in love with God that can't nothing. No car, no man, no woman, no dollar. Nothing can separate you. And even if you still mess up and you, and you fall into a trap, listen, the Lord is going to come by. He's going to send angels. He's going to pick you up. He's going to put you on your feet. And he's going to bless you because of the persecution you went through. But you still love him. 
So be aware. Not paranoid. Not religious. If you know yourself and you know the love God has for you, you don't have to be paranoid. But mark my word, there's going to be people that come around that want to stain you. They want to stain your reputation. They want to stain your faithfulness. They want to pull you away because they're jealous of your relationship with God. They could have it themselves, but they don't want it because they're too angry about their own life. And it don't matter who you are. It don't matter how old you are. It don't matter what your circumstance is. God endured the cross to let you know he's still there. He's still there. He's always been there. And your stupidness. The earth is his footstool. Where could he go? He's always been there. But you have to receive that love and receive that forgiveness. And even if you haven't lived the life, you can start to live the life that might be closely worthy of his love. But truth is, we'll never be worthy of so much love and so much forgiveness. But that shouldn't make you give up. You shouldn't give up on love because you can't match it. You should love all the more because you can't match it. And because he loves you so much. They hurt you inside. It hurts you inside. It hurts you inside. No desire stands a chance. Why? Why can't desire stand a chance? Because there's no room for self-hate. There's no room for God-hate. Love conquers all. Let that love into your life. Quit blaming people. Quit blaming your father. Quit blaming this one. Quit blaming that one for your life. Yes. Yes, there's some thorns in life. But them thorns will just push you into the love of God. It'll, it'll carry you away in the place. In the book of Revelation, it says, And the woman was given two wings of an eagle. That she might fly. Didn't say she had to fly. That she might fly to a place in a desert. Probably not an oasis. A place. You could fly to a place where you'll be taken care of and nurtured by God. And that relationship with God. Sometimes it's the ugly things in life that makes us seek God. Sometimes it's the ugly things that make us run to God. And that's so that relationship can be there. And once you have that relationship with God, death it's gone. And I have crossed over from death to life. And how did I cross over from death to life? I crossed over by quit killing myself and quit killing other people. I have crossed over because I have made up my mind that God is good no matter what. God is good no matter when my prophecy comes to pass. God is good no matter what. And God loves me. I don't care what you got to say about me. I don't care how accurate you are in your perception of me. I don't care how many mistakes I made. God's love is God's love, and you cannot take it away. Then you have crossed over from death to life because you no longer die. In fact, you have died to death. When the Bible says we have died to sin, we've died to our master. We have died to anger. I have died to it. You have died to it. 
Never again will I question God's love. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how big the teeth are in Daniel's lion's den. I don't care. Then you know you've crossed over. And then you know you have died to that. And your struggles with sin, you have not yet resisted to the place of shedding your blood. What is the place of shedding your blood? I know that God loves me. I know he's forgiven me. Not only for my past, he's forgiven me for my presence, and he even forgives me for the stupidness he knows I'm probably still going to do. But one day you're going to be surprised. You might be pretty good at guessing my sin, but one day you're going to be surprised. One day you're going to stand there. You're going to stand there waiting for me to fall, but this time I ain't going to fall. One time you're going to speculate that I'm going to mess up again, but you're going to be disappointed, and won't you burst into flame when I am not like you anymore? Won't you burst into flame? And if somebody does stain me, I have one that will unstain me. But the one that unstained me is the one that walks with me. And he's the one that says, listen, they are after your life. They're not after love. They're after your life. They're after your soul. They're after everything about you. They're after your ministry. They're after about your love of God. And when they get it, they will dump you. It is better to stay with your quarrelsome wife than to run off at a rendezvous with death. <laughs> it is better to stay with your, your, your unaffectionate husband than to run off with the affection of death. mama <laughs> That's why we're so unfaithful, because we don't believe that love exists. We're unfaithful. God says we're unfaithful. The love of the world. We're unfaithful. We're enemies of God. It's not saying that you can't enjoy life or there's not blessings in life, but he says you're so quick to think I'm against you. That's what makes you so unfaithful. You've divorced me so many times. You, you, you pulled away from me so many times. You said you're through with me so many times. You're unfaithful. You won't believe that I love you. You won't believe that my death on the cross took away all your sin. You won't believe that my death on the cross is still covering you. Don't be unfaithful. Crawl, beg, plead. Don't be unfaithful to God. And when I say don't be unfaithful to God, hear what I am saying. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about 
your desires or your behaviors or your actions. I'm not talking about you dealing with sin yourself other than the sin of anger. What I'm talking about is be faithful to God. You, you, can, you can confess and say, Lord, you know, I need to love you more. Lord, I don't love you enough. But don't ever be unfaithful to God and accuse him of not loving you. That's the unfaithfulness God is talking about. Huh? I don't care how old you are. I don't care what's going on in your life. Don't be unfaithful to God. Don't grumble against him. Because huh? God is going to prove all your sin wrong. He's going to prove all your anger wrong. He's going to prove your disappointment wrong. He's going to prove all the insults and the things that says that you're not intelligent or you're not smart or you're dummy. All those things that were spoken over you that you believed. God never believed it. Stop believing and believe in God. Be faithful to God. You may fall short, but be faithful to God. His love prevails. Don't ever give up on him. Don't ever say that God don't love you. Don't ever say that God won't forgive you. Don't ever say God won't come to your rescue. Don't ever say God won't stop the bullet. Don't ever say God won't stop the arm. And when you love him like that, because you can't love and hate, if you love God, then you have no room. You have no room, no matter how much somebody else wants you to fall, no matter how much they want to stain you. But when you love God, you have no room that God is not doing me right. You have no room that God is not loving me. You have no room that I'm second class or third class. You have no room that God has forgotten about me. You have crossed over from all of those lies. You've crossed over from death into life. And because you are an instrument of life, you don't speak death on other people. You speak life. You speak life. You don't push people's buttons. You don't try to make people fall just to make yourself look good. You don't stain others just so you can look whiter. If you want to look whiter, be whiter. You want life? You want to flee from the corruption of this world? You want to flee from the evil? You want to flee from all the traps that you like? Huh? Tell me sweet lies. Hmm? What Dodo wrote that? Tell me sweet lies. <laughs> lies are lies. You can't put enough chocolate on it to make it sweet. 
lies of death. And sooner or later, you're going to feel the choking. Don't even ask me if God would forgive you. Don't even say, how could God forgive me? If God didn't want to forgive you, you wouldn't be in this room right now. If God didn't have a better life for you, he wouldn't be here right now. The Bible says, submit to God. Resist the devil. Resist the hate. Resist the anger you have for yourself. The disappointments you have for yourself. Huh? Resist it and it will flee from you. If you've fallen into traps, if you've been stained, God forgives. Huh? Huh? If you're swayed by sin, you'll be swayed no longer. Because once that love comes in, that love will protect you, shield you. But when sin is your master, huh? As the Bible says, you're like a camel in heat. When sin is your master, you will attract sin. Anger will attract anger. Sexual immorality will attract sexual immorality. God-haters will attract God-haters. But why are you in their midst? the anger that you have against yourself, against God and everyone else. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to blame people. Spend the rest of your life letting death grow inside of you. Or you can let it all go today. And say, I'm starting anew today. Maybe you started new before the, more than once. Hmm? There is no third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, sixth chance, hundredth chance. It is always a second chance. And if you're not careful, it's always the first chance. God doesn't look at you with a record. He's always loved you, and you've always known that. You just didn't like the way your life came out. And a lot of that was your blame. Let that love come in today. And watch those evil desires flee. But when they flee, don't take pride now. You're not bulletproof. God just saved you from the bullet. There's a difference between being bulletproof and saved from the bullet. Too many Christians think they're bulletproof. 
when in reality you was just saved from the bullet. There's no guarantee about the next one unless you just really believe that he loves you. But who said there'd ever be another bullet? See, you're not bulletproof. You're just saved from the bullet. But hear me today. Let your anger go. Because your anger is dead. If you hate your brother, you murdered him. If you hate yourself, you murdered yourself. That's dead. Let your anger go. Uh, don't only just let it go. And don't be saying, Lord, I forgive you. The Lord ain't done nothing to you. Huh? Some people might say, they might tell you, they say, I, I still love you. Don't be deceived. If somebody says, I still love you, they're implying you did something wrong to them. So don't be telling God, saying, God, I still love you. Because when you say, God, I still love you, that means you're still blaming him. But I'm going to be bigger and forgive you, God. Huh? Don't say, I still love you, God. Because that's like saying, even though. No, I love you, God. I'm surprised you still love me, but I know you do. I can't say otherwise. The cross won't let me say otherwise. The Bible won't let me say otherwise. Uh, uh, God ain't done you no wrong. If you look back, you will see the times when the Lord was trying to save you from a lot of trouble. Uh, and if you have faith, the Lord might have even let your father or mother die just to save you from something. But see, when you have no faith in God's love, you say... But God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You took my mother and father away from me. But see, when you hold on to God's love and you're faithful to him, you know that there was some reason why he let your mother and father disappear in your life. And you know that God is good. Let God be true and every man a liar. So if there was something not in my life, then I am not a cursed. I am not a victim. I am not worse off. Because I do not yet know what he has saved me from. Whatever God has allowed to happen in your life. It may be your own doing, but he may have allowed it to happen. And whatever God has allowed you to happen, it will still work out for the good. For those who love him. And don't let go of that love. Because God's got a bright and shining promise for you. The Bible says 30, 60, 100 times as much in this life. That is, if you don't throw it all away on anger and then trying to comfort the anger and then trying to make up for the lack of love. See, if you feel like that you're not loved by God and you feel like as a child you're not loved by God, you go off looking for that love to be gratified. You're not going off to be prosperous. You're not going off to a purpose. You're going off to gratify that. That's why you fall into all kinds of evil desires and things because all you want is you want to know that you're loved. But listen, you know there's somebody in the dark with you. There's somebody in the dark with you that tells you not to lose your mind. There's somebody in the dark that says quit imagining monsters. There's somebody in the dark. There's somebody in there with you. Because when sin increased, grace increased all the more. You have no excuse. I don't care what has come against you. I don't care how bad it gets. When sin increased, grace increases all the more. 
whether you're a churchgoer at the moment or not. Too long we've preached that God only helps those in church. If that's the truth, you should pack your bags and move in. Oh, no. All who call upon the name of the Lord. And he is with you. I don't care what stupidness. I don't care how dark the dark is. I don't care how much you feel like killing yourself or killing other people. I don't care. There is hope in the dark. There's a light in the dark. The Bible says that a light has shined in the darkness. Those who are living in the shadow of death, a light has shined. God will always shine his light that you can come out. But if you hate your situation at the moment, if you hate the calluses on your hands, if you hate the insults around you, and you just hate your life, then you have rejected the only thing that can give you life, which is life itself. Doesn't matter how hard or how rough the taskmasters are. Doesn't matter how hard your job is. It doesn't matter how much you've been mistreated. The Bible says don't repay evil for evil. And the first thing is, maybe you need to weigh your scales. It is not your place to judge. Your boss might should have fired you a long time ago, but you can't see it. Because you come in later than the boss. But even if, if your assumptions is right, don't hate your life. Don't say you can't take it no more, God. This ain't right. This ain't fair. Don't go accusing heaven. Say, Lord, I need your help. I need strength. I know you have good for me. I know you love me. I know you died for me. I refuse to think otherwise. This bad job ain't going to make me think otherwise. Huh? Yes. This, this quarrelsome relationship I in, not going to make me think otherwise. It's not going to make me think otherwise. I'm going to believe in what you have said to me. I am not going to let death reign in my mouth. Do that today and live. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it always works. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it's a whole lot easier than what you plan to do. Hmm? Hallelujah. Please get this morning's message off a podcast if you was not here. Yes. I did not give no prophecies this week because I, this message was too heavy upon me. Yes, but the good news is Friday night, this Friday, night and light. Yes, we will have plenty of prophecies. Amen. Listen, God loves you.
Quit hating your life. Don't compare your life to somebody else. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. No matter where it's at. You don't even know if the mother boasters even have a relationship with God. Their money is no guarantee. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. Huh? Yes. Your bowl of rice is your relationship with God. That's your meal with God. Huh? Your crits, that's your, that's your meal with God. Huh? Yes. Walking, that's your relationship with God. Huh? When you're in love, you love to walk with the person you love. When you love, you want to get out of the maxi and walk home. Please ponder on this message. And may his love be overwhelming in your life. And may you have such a relationship with God that can't nothing break it. No quarreling dog. Uh, don't let no barking dog make you jump up in the middle of the night and start cursing and your neighbors hearing you and they tell you to shut up rather than the dog. And that person that's Meth. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think whether or not that was a drug here, but evidently it is. Listen, the Lord loves you. And if you'll listen to this word today, love you.